Good morning. Merry Christmas. Again, right? Merry Christmas. <laughs> How many more days, buddy? Five. Uh, yeah, right. When it got to seven and five, those became really special days. I'm seven. It's five. It's five. So what? You ever know how you are married, right? You argue about the same thing. You're saying the same thing, but differently, right? I guess, right? Yeah, Bryce is shaking his head. <laughs> so, we've all been there. <laughs> or you'll get there, right? <laughs> so, uh, what, is, what is Christmas about? You know, the, the short answer, his promised birth, right? You know, we see Christmas time as a time of lights and wonder, of family traditions. We watched the Garfield Christmas special. Uh, Garfield's tradition was eating seven lasagnas, getting to the tree, and then getting a machine that gave him everything. That was funny. Um, John's tradition was a little bit more close to reality, of singing carols and making the tree light up. You know, we... A time of carols, a time of church choirs, of dark nights full of lights, of gifts wrapped, ready for the day. Now, there is a lot of symbols and a lot of messages in this season. But the one that makes the world change is a birth. The birth of a child. Of a baby that has come on that day to rid us of our pains. Born that no that born, that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth, as the hymn writer says. We anticipate his coming back. As those in the first century and the centuries before the birth of Christ anticipated his coming, wondering when, hoping even in the darkest hour that the day would dawn and that all would be made right again. I'd like to take today to ask three questions of life, uh, three questions that Christmas kind of uh, cumulate with, that uh, bring together with Christ's promise. You know, it brings us to the issue of, of hope. It brings us to the subject of pain and then of purpose, asking the question, why are we here? You know, it's that question that, that everyone comes to or, or will come to one day. Why? What has brought us to this pain, to this crossroads, or even to this event in history, we might ask? Let's uh, pray, pray before we start. Father God, we, we thank you for today. We thank you for this time where we can celebrate your son, that we can see that this world is dark. We, can, we know that reality. We understand that. But we can also see the light in the darkness. Your son born. That even, even that, that star led those wise men to the true light. To the light that John the Baptist points to. To the light that's come into the world to make the scene 
knowing of the unseen seen and the unknown knowable father god we are so very glad of your revelation of your word and the word come made flesh that jesus has come for all of us and we thank you for today help us uh, open up your word to understand it more to grow and to walk in you lord I just uh, praise you for today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'm a, the first question, you know, does, does life have any hope? It seemed like when I wrote this, it seemed like a great question to ask about 2020. As, as we come in to the season of Christmas, five days, I'm excited, Tanya. Are you excited? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, and we come to the end of the year. We wonder what is next. We wait to see what's happen, what's to happen. We hope for a better year to come. In life today, we, we wait for a lot of things, right? And we wait for a baby to be born. Come on, get here. <laughs> um, if you ever, you know, had a pregnant wife or a pregnant friend you understand the the end of the process is we're done <laughs> we so, you know we wait to grow up and do the things we've always dreamed of doing we wait for our driver's license so we can have those freedoms that come with a lot of responsibilities we wait for the pizza delivery guy because we are hungry right yeah so get here and do they deliver out here come on <laughs> Nope. <laughs> now we wait in the line at the DMV forever. Thankfully, not so much in eastern Colorado, though, right? Yeah. Kyle was pretty good at that. You're in, you're out. Woo, thank you. Not three hours. I've done that in Denver. That is not fun, so I don't suggest it. <laughs> you know, with all of this waiting, does the question ever come to you, why? Why? Why do we wait? Why do all of those things take time? Now, Thursday seems like forever from now, but we're ready for it. Anybody? Yeah. Okay, Toby. Toby and Tanya. Thursday. Right? Yeah. Friday, too. Yeah. They're exciting days. Yeah, I've wanted to unwrap things since I've wrapped them, pretty much. I'm, I'm ready to see people's faces. You know, we don't just wake up one day and are growing up. No, it takes time. It takes learning oneself, developing, being schooled. So we go through life waiting. Waiting for the good things, the good food, the good trips, the good time with family and friends. They're all worth waiting for. You know, the same goes for hope. Yeah, I don't think there's ever a better word to sum up to sum up Christmas than hope. This whole season points us to hope. From the fall to the time of Abraham to the time of the kings and the prophets, hope fills a ruined creation. As all life is broken and breaking, hope is spoken of, proclaimed from the rooftops and written down. 
Please turn your Bibles with me to Genesis. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. speaking to the serpent that deceived here saying I will put enmity between you and the woman between your offspring and her offspring he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel now the fall of humanity had just taken place sin and death had just entered creation because of the choice of our foreparents and the Lord speaks to the serpent that deceived, telling them there will be hostility between him and the woman, between his offspring and the woman's offspring. And then it says, he, he, the offspring, will bruise your head. The serpent's head would be crushed by the offspring of the woman. And as that crushing blow took place, the offspring would be struck but this is not a blow that leads to death. No, he would live. This is the first of many promises, the first of many glimpses, prophecies of hope. Uh, let's look at another one in Isaiah chapter 9. I want to turn there in your Bibles with me. Isaiah 9, <coughs> verses 6 and 7. The prophet says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace. There will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. For this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now the offspring is a son who is given, a child who is born, comes into our broken world he enters the world just as one of us do does all of us do <laughs> and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name is wonderful counselor he is the mighty god the everlasting one who has come here and he and the father are one he is the prince of peace that brings peace to all mankind and his throne is established forevermore from the line of David and it will be unending. Uh, please turn your Bibles with me to Daniel chapter 7.
Daniel 7, 13 and 14, Daniel sees this. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the cloud of heavens there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days, and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. The king will bring justice and righteousness. The kingdom's very throne will be established and upheld on those things. And we see that this unending king can be presented to God, citing the fact that he is God. And he is given glory, and we should and can serve him and know him. Now, Jesus is the Son of Man. He is the Son given. He is the promised one. He is the one that the broken world was waiting for. He is the one that the broken world still needs, and he is the one that is coming back to deal with all injustice and all unrighteousness. You know, so as we wait, we can rejoice. Let us get excited, not just about Christmas, but about serving him, about serving him. Serving a God who keeps his promises in his time. So let us wait in our hope. Let us wait for the king and the kingdom. And let us understand this, that life, though broken, is full of hope. Because Christ has come here. Waiting is not the only thing that life is full of. Life is also full of pain. One of the harder issues or questions we struggle with throughout the ages is why is there pain? Why does it hurt? From cancer to heart problems, to viruses, to the common cold, to the bumps and bruises we get through life. Life is full of hurts and hardship and loss. It is not always an easy question to answer when it comes to pain. But the amazing thing that we can look at, the amazing thing we can point to is this truth that God, God enters into this broken world and brings us redemption, healing, and peace with himself, which is by all accounts, our biggest problem, even today. The weird thing that sticks out to me here in this subject is that all all the other worldviews, all of the other views of life, point to us and say, answer this question, please. But we do have an answer. Creation is broken. A redeemer is needed. So he has come. So believe in him, and he is coming again, and all things will be placed rightfully. Justice and righteousness will come. But yet the the worldview of of naturalism would say, this is all there is. What you can experience with your five senses is, is all there is. There is no hope but ourselves. 
that you know Marxism, secular humanism, the postmodern camp would all be right there. And those are most of the influential, especially Western. There's a lot of Eastern philosophy that just, oh, it's, it is what it is. You know, in this we must rise a new order. In this we must re-educate. We must strive to make our own way. Now, the crazy thing about that is when you look at all those worldviews, that's the, that's the enemy in the biblical account. This stands against the whole of the biblical narrative and is in fact the problem in the whole biblical story that we go our own way, as it says in Isaiah, that we think we can decide good from evil. We got this, God. So we think we can save ourselves. But thanks be to God, he doesn't leave us there. He's not the one to say, jump higher, do this, do that. No, he wants a relationship with us. He came for us. He died for us. Uh, please turn in your Bibles with me to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, I'll read verses 1 and 2. The, the author says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now here in our faith, we can look back and see all those before us and be encouraged. Be encouraged to lay aside everything like Abraham and go. Go to a different country, Abraham. And trust the God who knows the place that he's taking you. To trust the Lord that even when it seems the whole world is crashing down, we can rest in his promises. To lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely, all those things that we wrestle with and surrender it to him. So we can run. We can run the race that is set before us. We are here for a reason. We have hope. So let us set before ourselves the one who endured the cross for joy. Despising the shame, he went through it for the joy set before him. The very fact that God would be glorified and that a people would be set apart for him. I really recommend if you want some Christmas reading, John 17, 1 through 5 really talks about that in the high priestly prayer. As we think about pain, as we go through it, it'll be hard to ask, what is my joy? But it's a clarifying question that brings us clarity. Because if Jesus is our joy, then no matter what happens here, it will pale in comparison in what is to come. 
means this thing's more valuable. I had to Google it, so <laughs> why do we say that? Pale in comparison. But this, what's coming is better. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer selves are wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So that we, as we look, excuse me, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are terrestrial, tr transient, sorry. But the things, yeah, terrestrial things are transient. They go away. So. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Our affliction, no matter what it may be, is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory that is beyond anything we can imagine. Now, it's not just about a future hope, but a personal God who comes here, who is near us in our afflictions, who can understand our afflictions. Now, please turn in your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 4. I read uh, verses 14 through 16. The author says this. Since then we have a great high priest who passes through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. The Son of God is our high priest and he is holy he has passed through the heavens. So let this encourage us to hold fast our confession. That we believe upon Jesus. And we are sealed in him. Let us know that our high priest is not unable to sympathize, uh, not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, our burdens, our pains, but he knows them and every respect in every angle he has been tempted in every way without sin so in confidence we can draw near to the throne of grace and we can receive mercy and grace in our time of need and this is what humanity needs we need hope in any kind of situation and a way through facing anything grace and mercy now grace is very much receiving something we have not or cannot earn salvation in Christ alone is a great grace then mercy is not receiving what we do deserve which for all of us all of humanity is judgment and hell now, through hurt and hardship 
we can see that there is a man, a son of man who comes for us with hope in his hands because he faces death for all of humanity and we only need to trust him. You know, the last question, when, when we look at life, we might wonder time from time, why are we here? And if you haven't asked that question, it comes. Yeah, it will come one day. Yeah, I think that question is a search for certainty, a search for purpose. Uh, Benjamin Franklin said this, and it's highly quoted by Mark Twain. There are only two certainties in life, in life are death and taxes. Like, woo! <laughs> yeah, the facts are this. All of us that are living are going to die. We're going to. And all of us alive today are going to pay for the things around us. I'm like, that makes sense. That's pretty certain. It's pretty clear cut. And I am glad for Mr. Franklin's insight there, but it point, because it points out the clear things that we're going to do, like it or not. There are things that we are going to go through in life, but we can go on and our certainties there. And I'm pretty sure Mr. Franklin would as well. <laughs> that in Christianity, in Christ, in the church, in life, there are way more certainties. We are certain that everyone is made in the image of God and therefore has value. Everyone is a sinner, therefore in need of a redeemer. And everyone has a choice on what path they are going to take. The question of why we are here is one of the most likely asked questions in all of human existence because we all seek to know our purpose, to know that life is more than this right now. So how we answer the question of why will greatly impact our life as a whole. Do we see that life is purposed or do we think that it is all unpurposed? So we wonder, you know, we wonder what, what certainties can we know Death and taxes, but grace as well. With that last one comes hope. Matty Ross says this from the, the, the remake of True Grit. You, may, you must pay for everything in this world one way and another. There is nothing free except the grace of God. And that fits our broken world. With our sin, the wage is death. With our government building roads and doing whatever else they will do, we are taxed. But thanks be to God for his free grace. The hope that comes for all of humanity. Uh, please turn your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 26 through 38. Here we see the promise of the one coming. In the sixth month, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city 
of Galilee, this, a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child will be born the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth is in in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And the angel comes to the city of, uh, to a city in Galilee, a small town named Nazareth, and spoke to a virgin named Mary, telling her the news. I'm going to have a son. Not just any son, but the son of the most high. The one who will take the throne of David and who will reign forever. Mary asks, how? How can this happen? For she has not known a man. And the angel tells of a miracle that will happen. The incarnation, the deity taking on flesh. And this will happen by the power of the most high for nothing is impossible with God. Now Mary is first afraid and then perplexed. And then at the end, she is a willing servant. She says this, let this be to me according to your word. The Gospel of Luke goes on telling of the birth of Jesus in chapter 2. Uh, if you want to turn there with me, verses 1 through 7 is what we'll read. It says this In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Cornelius was the governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, whom was with child. And while they were there, the time of her birth, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the end. The Messiah comes. 
Caesar decrees a registration and each go to their own town. So Joseph took Mary, who was with child, and went to Bethlehem. This, this decree right here fulfills a prophecy that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And the Messiah came. He was born. The offspring had come. The son had been given and wrapped in swaddling cloth and laid in a manger. The one who would crush the snake had come to face death head on. Now let's look at one more passage in the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 2, verses 22. So a little bit more down. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens, who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the man and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the Lord, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation of, for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of the, your people. And his father and his mother marveled at, was, well, <clears throat> at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. A sword will pierce through your own soul also. So the thoughts for many hearts may be revealed. Now after the birth of Jesus, his parents uh, bring him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord in the temple according to the law of Moses. And you know, as they were doing this, the man named Simeon, a righteous and devout man who had been waiting for the, the consolation, and that's a, the comfort or the alleviation of Israel's troubles from the Lord. He had the Holy Spirit upon him, and he, he came into the temple, and as they were doing this, you know, he took Jesus up into his arms, and Simeon blessed God, saying, My eyes have seen the salvation. Now, Simeon here had been promised by God that he would not die until he saw the Messiah Simeon says this of Jesus, that he is a light for revelation to the Gentiles. And I think that's all of us, right? He is a light unto the whole world. Now he is for the glory of your people Israel. 
And that all the promises would see, be seen coming together in Jesus, the Messiah. And Mary and Joseph marveled at this statement. Marveled at what Simeon had said, but then what comes next, any parent would dread. He turns to Mary and says this, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Death. Simeon spoke to Mary, the salvation the crushing to come would pierce your own soul. And from the Gospel of John, we know that Mary was right there when Jesus was crucified. Now the song says, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. He washed it away. Jesus, the Messiah, would face death he would crush it and he would die in the place of others he would have all of our iniquities placed upon himself to wash us to cleanse us so by trusting him we can be presented blameless before God presented just like the son of man is we can be before him because of what Jesus has done. This is the purpose of why he was born, to glorify God and to bring a people to the Lord. The pain was worth it because of the joy set before him. And the promises are seen that they all come together in the Messiah. And we see that there is, there is great hope, even in and throughout a broken creation and we see this too, that God works through broken people. And in all of his purposes are, are all coming together for history, for humanity, and for his glory. And this means we can hope and we can know the answers to even life's hard questions. That even in the hardship of a ruined creation, we can know that there is a new day coming when the king in all of his glory will sit upon the throne and reign forevermore. So how do we, how do we apply this? You know, and how or why, how or why does this matter today? Well, when all the chips are down or when the bottom falls out, what is our hope? Now, C.S. Lewis says this in his book, A Grief Observed. You never know how much you really believe anything until its truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death to you. It is easy to say you believe a rope to be strong and sound as long as you merely use it to cord a box. But suppose you had to hang by that rope over a preposis. Wouldn't you first... Wouldn't, wouldn't you then first discover how much you really trusted it? And we need to understand and know that following Jesus or not is a matter of life or death. Now, if we fail to hear these promises, if we fail to see God's purpose for all of us in life, I don't think we'll understand life fully. We won't understand the pain. 
we will for sure have nice things, we'll have our get-togethers, we'll have our happy life. But if we don't see that those without Jesus, without the Messiah, are falling headlong into death and hell, then we miss so much that we would know what we hold to, that rope is firm and real, and then share it. You know, the hymn says it well. Go, tell it on a mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go, tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. And we go. Why? Because the hope, the Messiah, the promised one, has come. And he, he alone I think the last two weeks in Sunday school, we've talked about the grid that shines on Jesus. It's a big old spotlight. It doesn't shine on any other deity, religious, ism, or anything. It shines on Jesus alone that he is the hope. He is the stay. He's the only one that can bring us to what our true end is, what our purposed end is. And the, the Westminster Shorter Catechism states it like this in their first question and answer. What is the chief end of man what is what is our purpose why are we here <laughs> the catechism see religious people ask it there we go <laughs> yeah. you know we can ask that because it brings us to an answer man's chief end is to glorify god and to enjoy him forever forever this is why jesus came this is why christmas is so exciting so exciting okay <laughs> Right, Toby? So exciting. He came. He came so we can believe upon him and rest in him even when it hurts and find our purpose. Our purpose that we don't just fulfill here and now, but we fulfill throughout the ages in the dwelling place of God. Let's, uh, let's close in prayer. Father God, we, we thank you. We thank you for your hope. We thank you for the promise of the coming Messiah. We thank you for the pain that he went through, for the joy set before him, the glory of God and a people set apart that we can be partakers, those that believe upon Christ, and we can go and be presented blameless before the almighty God of heaven and earth, the maker, the former, the lawgiver, the holy one. We can know him and be rest assured that even if this world falls, even if this everything comes crashing down, we have a rope that is steady and firm, Lord, thank you for our purpose. Thank you that we can know our chief end. That all these other things, all of these earthly, terrestrial things that pass away are cool, are exciting to give to one another. But there is a grand, greater gift in Christ our Lord 
that is more precious than silver and gold because he is the living hope. Lord, help us go forward even in these times to share that rope, to share the hope, to go tell it on a mountain. If we find somebody up there, to tell it on the hills, to tell it everywhere. Let us be like shepherds that see the grand, glorious angel, angelic choir, and go see it, share it. And then let us also be like Mary and just ponder it in our heart and to worship you, to praise you, God, for every day that you have given us. We thank you for today. Thank you that we can come together, we can pray, we can sing, and open up your word and know that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. And I thank you for that, Lord. I just pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.